This is a Founding Media Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Founders of Fashion Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Millspaugh. I'm the CEO of Aesthetic Ventures and the Austin Fashion Initiative. On this podcast series, we dive into the business of fashion with emerging entrepreneurs. I want to thank Founding Media Productions for producing this series. Today, we're talking with Brian Munoz, founder and designer of Penny Luck Shoes. Penny Luck is a men's shoe line based here in Austin, Texas. I am seeing so many great emerging men's brands coming out of Austin, and Penny Luck is one of them. Let's jump into my conversation with Brian. Brian, one of the things I love about Penny Luck uh, is that you have such a cohesive brand story Thank you. Um, that is intimately connected with your journey. So to start us off, um, fill us in on how you came to launch Penny Luck and what it's all about. It's a really long story. Do you have like two hours to talk? Give us the short version. Just kidding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Penny Luck um, started out from my misfortune, I guess I would say. Um, I actually graduated college and started a company. Um, it was athletic apparel meets like science technology. And um, I did that for about four years and it uh, it went under. Um, long story short, after I went bankrupt, I uh, relocated to Austin to take a job at SHI and I got fired the first week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And my wife was pregnant at the time. So it was, uh, it was a crazy journey filled with ups and downs, but... Um, I got to the point after I got fired that I came to a realization that I had to do what I loved for the rest of my life. And uh, that was shoes. I've always loved shoes. And my wife would always say to me, like, like you have more shoes than I do. You need to like get another closet and things like that. But anyways, I love shoes. And so I decided to start a shoe company. Um, I had no experience in it at all. And everyone thought it was crazy. They're like, what do you mean? You know, like, yeah. why, why shoes? It's like, I don't know. I just really love shoes. So um, I started a shoe company and I wanted to incorporate the American staple of luck, which is the penny. And the reason being is because uh, I think I've, I've told you the story before, but yeah. for the sake of the podcast, I'll repeat it. Um, when I was going around uh, in, in Los Angeles and Santa Monica area, I was always going around pitching these, these heavy hitter investors. And I'd always ask them, how did you get to where you are? How are you living the American dream? And the reason I'd ask that question is because I was super nervous and I wanted to break the ice and get them talking about themselves, right? And so they'd always give me a response that consisted of three things, hard work, risk, and luck, hard work, risk, and luck. And so when my company went under, I realized that the one thing that I was missing was luck because I did not get my break. I put in the work, I took the risk, but luck wasn't on my side. And so I wanted to incorporate the American staple of luck, the penny, and uh, create the shoe for the American dream chaser. And essentially like bring your luck to yeah, you. Yeah, so you could wear your luck. And the whole concept now for the company is we're the shoe for the American dream chaser, so you could wear your luck as you chase the dream, and we give back to the men and women who fight to protect it. How we do that is I partnered with the Purple Heart Foundation to help vets with PTSD, and I'm also hiring vets as well. So that's penny luck. That's cool. So how would you describe kind of your aesthetic for your shoes? Aesthetic, I would say a traditional aesthetic with a touch of modern and comfort. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's such an interesting and unique message to essentially launch this business out of 
almost the failure of the first one. It was definitely out of the failure. Yeah. It, yeah. How did you, um, how did you deal in that time with all this like turmoil and stuff? how did you deal with that anxiety as an entrepreneur? Honestly, I block a lot of it out. And as you <laughs> asked me that question, it's like, it's like resurfacing some emotions, but I don't think you ever really, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. So like when you're beaten, bruised and broken and like on the ground to get yourself back up from a failure like that, like it was really hard because it was almost like a public failure, right? Yeah. Like I get out of college, I'm this golden boy, I'm on my way and then boom, like devastating blow on the ground, got to relocate. You can't afford to live there getting evicted. I mean, just, it was, it yeah, was brutal. Awful. And so I think one of the things that really helped me get back up is really finding myself and what I love. No longer doing things for superficial reasons, no longer like, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses or anything like that. You literally like, I had to do what I loved and pay no attention to what people thought or any extrinsic factors, right? It was all internal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, that's what helped me get back up is really rebuilding inside intrinsically um, and then letting it spill over to my work. Into the, yeah. Yeah. That's what I, one of the things that I feel I hear so much from every entrepreneur and every story I listen to, um, everything I read about people launching companies and, you know, building even, you know, especially in fashion when you're designing things that really are intimately connected to who you are. Um, and, and it's that idea that the entrepreneur who's building something, whatever you're building is, is possible just because of the unique set of experiences that you've experienced the, you know, the unique, those are assets and resources and capabilities that you bring into, um, developing the next, you know, the next thing or the next part of your journey, um, which I think is like, so astounding. Um, I a hundred percent agree with that. Like I would say that the company is a direct reflection of like my skills and just who I am. For example, like I take old Hummers and convert them. Right. Yeah. And I love cars. Like I do all the woodworking in them and you've seen the wood, like it's like pretty decked out. Um, the shoes I design them, like it's connected to my story. So like the entire thing, our cause, it's my brother. Like everything is a direct reflection of, of who I am. Yeah. Which I totally agree with the. Well, let's, okay. So let's go in and like break that down a little bit. Cause Absolutely. I think that's such a cool, you know, you and I have had conversations a lot and I'm such a fan of what you've created, but let's go in Thanks, for, Jen. for, yeah, I think I've sold probably so many of your shoes <laughs> to people. I think you have as well. <laughs> Our top uh, seller. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so tell us the story. Cause I love the idea of the Hummer and, and the way you're really incorporating elements like that into, into your brand building uh, around what you're doing and why the Hummer is important and an important symbol, um, to what you're creating. So fill us in on that background. So yeah, the Hummer is important. So I'll actually give you the backstory. So okay. When I first started the company, um, I was out of my garage and I'm filling these, the first order I ever got. It was a, I think the shoe store was Lauren in Santa Monica on Third Street Promenade. They bought like 40 pairs of shoes. I'm freaking out. We're processing the order. I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, celebrating. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so uh, I'm processing the order and my brother comes over to help me. Um, and at the time he was in a really bad place. Um, and so uh, I, I called him over and I'm like, hey, dude, come help me out. Uh, he was struggling a lot with PTSD and, um, he 
comes over, he helps me out, and we start having the conversation of my brand and what I'm doing. I told him I'm creating this shoe for the American Dream Chaser, everything I just discussed. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, brother, the American Dream wouldn't be possible without the men and women who fight to protect it. And I was like, dude, you're so right. Um, It was much longer than that, obviously. Um, And he inspired me to, to... to reach out and try to connect with a nonprofit organization in order to start giving back. And I came up with the idea to actually start uh, customizing the year of your lucky penny, hiring vets to do it, and then donating a hundred percent of the proceeds. And so he's the one that kind of like brought it forth. And um, because of it, I put him in charge of, of spearheading our entire veteran initiative. And so it's kind of evolved from there. And so then we started buying military vehicles, converting them into shops. And it's just, kind of been a snowball and it's been really cool. That's cool. How many how many vehicles do you have in your fleet now? We've got like four and adding a lot more. That's amazing. Because yeah. I think last time I talked to you, you had like one or two. One. Yeah. 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 So so you've really you're kind of on a on a quick growth pass yeah. path and, and trajectory there. So trying. Yeah. So what what so walk us through what that's looked like. How long have you been in business and kind of what are the steps you've taken oh, over my the goodness you know, some of the major, major points in the business for you. So from where I started to where I am is like insane because I literally started selling shoes out of a suitcase on South Congress. And like, I started literally with nothing. So when I first uh, tried to get sourcing and establish my supply chain, I got taken a few times, you know, like just people that I was ignorant to the business and uh, people that were just predators looking to take advantage and so it took me quite a bit to uh, get set up. Um, and by the time I was able to start selling shoes, I was almost out of money. Um, but I kept going. And I would say some of the hardest things uh, were to were just overcoming all the adversity that comes your way, you know, um, yeah, I feel like entrepreneurship in general is just solving one problem after it's the other. All problem it's just, solving. It's like, it's well, like, I don't know how to do that, but let's do it. Exactly, you know? yeah. exactly. Uh, I think even like when we started selling online, it was figuring out how do we ship this, where do we get the labels, like just like all of those right. things. And those are all little things, and it's just, but that's that's what it is. It's, it's all little all things. the little things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, getting back on track to your question, um, from where I started to where I am now, it. It was so many little things and big things as well, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to finance this, finally got a loan from the bank. Um, I still own 100% of the company and I've bootstrapped it all the way through, um, which has been brutal, yeah. but it's also been good because I've been able to to really control the development of the company to what it is today mm-hmm. and have no like external influence. Mm-hmm. So. And how, how long have you been in business now? How many Since years? Since 2000, I started in 2014, launched in 15. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so about three years, four yeah. years. So that's awesome. It's been a journey. Um, so uh, w- when you were first starting, okay, so you had failed in this first business. I think this is a really interesting idea. You failed in this first business. You had to file for bankruptcy. Um, or the company went bankrupt. Yeah. So then how, how did you get the revenue, the, the initial capital that you needed to finance your first like collection of shoes? So I was actually, uh, I got fired from SHI and I started taking a lot of like, like dead end jobs. Yeah. Um, and I got a job selling cars in Georgetown and I saved all of my money, literally like every dime. I think I got 
I saved up like, I want to say like Mm -hmm. $20,000. And I took that and I just... And you and you launched with yeah. twenty thousand dollars, just yeah. totally bootstrapped and kept yeah. going. Yeah, kept it going the entire way through. Mm-hmm. And your whole—I mean, really—you've been supported as well by your whole family. Your brothers jumped yeah. on board, um, and it's, your wife has obviously wife been well. amazing, amazingly supportive. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a communal effort. Yeah, hundred percent. But I will say this: um, when I was doing research and talking to people. Everyone said, you can't launch a shoe company or a fashion company without a million dollars or yeah. this and that. I'm sure you've heard it before. Um, and that's a lie. Like, you can do it. It's not going to be easy, but you can 100% do it. You can launch a company as long as you know what you're launching and you're not trying to just put a product out there. It's got meaning. I, I truly believe that people can can make it happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so talk to us about like, um, some of those things that you've ha- figured out how to make happen. So your production, you do your production in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went down there, you figured out, you know, how to, you know, part of, I think in, in launching any company, part of it is just jumping in and going, well, I'm going to, I'm going to research, I'm going to find this person, or I'm going to find the best person to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. So I, I will say that one of the things that I realized is I spent a lot of time research, especially with my researching, especially with my first company. And I, I realized that if I spent more time doing than researching, I'd get a lot farther. And so when I went, when I took, when I started this company, I kind of restructured my mindset and unlearned a lot of the things that I had learned. Um, and I became more about action, right? So like anything that I would think up, I would do brief research, maybe an hour or two, understand it and then execute, execute, execute. It's all about execution. And so, uh, I think it's also about trial, trial and error because what works for me doesn't work for the big companies. Uh, what works for them doesn't work for me. So you really have to spend your time executing rather than researching mm-hmm. and finding the balance. Obviously, you know, get informed as informed as you can, but don't obsess over it. Right. Because then rec- you're just going to stall yourself out. Exactly. Yeah. Because so. you're never going to have all the answers. I agree. Yeah. So what are um, some of the things you're working on now? And what are some of your goals that you have now? So I'm actually working on opening up a few more shops. And um, and these are all like pop-up shops out of the yeah, Hummers. Yeah, yeah, um, And are they mobile? Do they, are they able are. to essentially like a food truck, but for clothes? No, <laughs> it's more like positioned in like really like key cool shopping place. centers. Okay. Yeah. Um, we do have a mobile one. A yeah. travels. I think we just went to New York. Um, Going to be traveling a few other. That's awesome. Yeah, a few yeah. other places. Um, but what I have in mind is really like... I'm focused on doing it different um, for the shoe industry. I think it's it's kind of been an industry that's remained unchanged for a really long time. And although there's like big companies like Nike and, and, and companies like that that are really innovating and doing some cool things, I think that there's like a huge gap that the companies haven't really covered yet. Um, and that's personalization. And mm-hmm. I'm really focused on, on creating more of a, a customizable product um, and innovating. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what. And so you're always is that kind of an opportunistic strategy for you? You're kind of looking like how do you decide when you have different opportunities to pursue potentially new aspects of innovation or to incorporate something into the company? How do you decide whether or not it fits with your brand or not? 
so going back to like what we talked about earlier about like how my company is a direct reflection of like who I am. Yeah. So one of my biggest passions is marketing and, and, and understanding disruptive, you know, technology and how to bring it to market. Um, and I think that in a way, organically, Penny Luck has kind of become a vehicle to be able to do this. And I think we could do it while still doing good, employing vets and disrupting the market. Mm-hmm. I really want to to go after it, take a shot. And uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll be uh, sitting here again in a couple of years talking about how I failed or how I really hit it out of the park. And who so, knows? But yeah. it's a matter of you just keep going for just it. Just try, right? Yeah. yeah. So just keep taking action, executing, and we'll see where it takes. Solving one problem after another. Yeah. Yeah. Did I answer your question? I think so. I think it's a, it's a, it's kind of like, what are, well, let's like, kind of, let's talk about some of the guts of it. Like, what are some of the things you were talking earlier a bit about Facebook that you're learning about and that online advertising, what are some of the things, you know, when we're talking about entrepreneurship, essentially being problem solving, what are some of the problems that you're solving right now? Yeah. So it's, it's no secret that like, Every company is talking about Facebook and how huge of an opportunity it is, uh, et cetera. And um, it's also no secret that when you're a startup, you don't have the resources to execute it as well as one of these major companies, right? That can just you know burn cash like crazy and and withstand it. Um, so what I've tried to do is kind of start everything myself and then see if I could outsource it. So what we did. Um, see if it's effective and then outsource it and know how to monitor it, know how to track it, know if it's effective or not. So in the beginning, um, we were talking to agencies and we realized like, this is way too expensive. Um, We have to commit pretty much all of our capital. And if it doesn't work, we're going to go under. Uh, So I decided to kind of take it on ourselves. Um, At first, we didn't even know what a pixel code was. We had no idea how to go about executing, but uh, we did. Uh, we started talking to everybody. We were even calling Facebook, uh, just trying to get connected and 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 get it get it done. Uh, so it took us about a month to fully connect everything and launch our first ads. Um, and we're seeing that it's really effective, and it actually is a, a good a good platform for us. And so now at this point, we want to keep growing it organically within the company, and then eventually, if we get enough volume or it gains enough traction, then outsource it to somebody that could do it much better than us. But I would always recommend to a startup entrepreneur that's bootstrapped, do it yourself first, understand it, and then see if it's a good fit to kind of outsource the job. Well, I think that's so important too, as like a CEO of a company is, is kind of everything stems from you first. So when you're starting a company, it helps as you grow and as you're kind of dividing up different jobs and figuring stuff out, you know what all the jobs are because then you can actually, you know, coach people, coach your team as to, okay, this is actually what we need to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And track the success. Yes. And you know how they're all kind of connected together. So how, you know, how your marketing and advertising, you know, spend is connected to your sales is connected to, you know, the logistics for your distribution channels and things like that. Cause it's all, it, it's all connected. Cause if you spend cash over here, you don't have it to spend over there. Exactly. And so what is that balance and that formula? Right. And, and that it, comes down to you. And that's the skill in the beginning, right? When you don't have a lot of money and you have to like really fine tune where you allocate every single dollar. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. So we're coming down to our last questions here. Um, what inspires you now? 
What inspires me now? What inspires me now is to really create a company that becomes a platform to help veterans transition uh, after war and to innovate. So it's those two things. I really want to innovate and create something cool um, while doing good in the world. Yeah. I think that's so cool that it's connected to the fashion industry too, because we don't often think about the military and veterans being kind of part of that industry. They're almost segregated, even though everybody wears clothes, right. you know, and, and that, yeah, they kind of create a cool, um, you know, a, a cool intersection. And, um, how has your life changed now that you've achieved this ever, what you've done so far is, is successful. So even if, yeah, I would say, I don't know if it's really changed much. Yeah. I would say that like, I'm more at peace. I'm more at peace. I think I, there was like a lot of like unsubtle feelings because, you know, I, the first company didn't work out. It took me a long time to gain momentum and traction on this one. Yeah. And I, I, I'm kind of getting to the point of self-actualization if, if, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that about fashion too, is like, it is a creative path to self-actualization. Yeah. I say that all the time. I'm like, guys, you don't understand how important this industry is. So, 100%. all right. Before we get to our last question, um, where can people find you? And um, how can people get involved with what you're doing? Pennyluxshoes.com is where you can find us. Um, we also have like our hometown Hummer is what I call it at Barton Creek Mall. Um, that was like where the first location went up. So you can check us out there as well. Go get fitted. And what was the other question? And how can people get involved with what you're doing? So if you are a veteran, a combat veteran um, looking for a job, please shoot me an email um, at brian at pennyluxshoes.com. And um, anyone else that's looking to get involved, just reach out. I mean, we're always doing things. We're always trying to get involved in uh, other nonprofits or charities. We give shoes to, you know, Seton and St. David's and try to do everything that we can. That's awesome. All right. So what's next for you and your company? What's next is scaling. We're trying to scale it. And, uh, really uh, do it the right way. So we're kind of all systems go and, and trying to light a fire under our butts to, to really grow this. Okay. Well, that's going to have to be another conversation. We'll have to get you in for another day. Let's do it. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm your host, Jennifer Millspa, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to our Founders of Fashion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to see the vidcast of this and other founding media productions, join our Masters and Founders group on Facebook. I'm your host, Jennifer Millspa. To learn more about my work at the intersection of fashion and entrepreneurship, check out aesthetic.ventures. Founders of Fashion is produced by Mariah Gossett and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you to all the folks at Founding Media. And thank you for listening.